everybody. Welcome to church this morning. Um, find your place in 2 Timothy chapter 3, one, verse 1. We're going to start there this morning. Um, let's open up with prayer and then we'll, we'll get moving. Father, we thank you for your goodness this morning. We worship you and honor you in this place. Thank you for your presence, for your Holy Spirit here, your anointing on the word, Father, that we look to you, we open our ears, open our hearts, and endeavor to be led by you in this service because we want to hear what you have to say, Father. We want to receive what you have to give, and that's why we're here. We're here to honor you, to bless you, to worship you, but also to receive from your word, to receive from your anointing, the things that we need next, the next, the next touch, the next direction, the next correction, Father, whatever, whatever you have for us, we've come here ready to receive. So we thank you for it, and we thank you that, that you have free movement in this service and the next today. In, in Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Um, <clears throat> I've been talking for a long, for it feels like a long time. I've been up here, every time I've been up here, I've been talking about the will of God for, for quite a while. And uh, surprise, surprise, I'm still going to be talking about that this morning. Just, just as always, a diff, kind of a different direction to look at it. I'm going to zoom out a little bit and look at a... Look at a parallel track along with the Word of God, because there's lots of things we need to understand as we go about obeying what God directs us to do, as, and following His commands, and as as best we can, and as best we know how, and as sure as we are, and, and everything. There's other things that we have to maintain and do while we're following God's will, uh, because your motives have a lot to do with everything, uh, but. In concurrence with that, if, if you want to have success in following the will of God, there are things we have to do, things we have to adjust in ourselves, perceptions we have to either get rid of or correct or whatever the case may be. We've got to look at things the right way. Um, if you've ever spent any time out in the world working a job, perception is everything. Um, the way you look at something can completely change how you approach a subject, can completely change how you approach a job or, or a task or, or any number of things. Um, so it's important that we have the correct perception when we enter into following after what God wants us to do. And with what we just went through with the hurricane, I thought it poignant to, to discuss this because it's, it's, while it has to do with what we just went through, it has to do with every single day we walk in, in the will of God. Um, so Paul here in 2 Timothy chapter 3 tells, tells Timothy, he says, but know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. And the emphasis, if you read, we're not going to do it this morning for time's sake, but if you read through the, the preceding and the post scriptures, really what he's referencing there is, is men. Perilous times will come as a result of what men do. But in connection to that, if, if you read into what he talks about and in, in how the men will become lovers of self instead of lovers of God and all of those things, what that is is corruption. Men are getting further and further corrupted the longer we are here on this earth because the enemy's still here. They're still the chi children of the devil, and they get further as we go on. They get corrupted, and darkness increases. <laughs> um, so, But as that does, darkness also affects this earth. There's a reason why the earth is going to have to be destroyed and remade, why God is going to destroy it and remake it when it comes time for us to come back here. Why? Because that sin, that corruption affects the earth just like it does the people. That's why we have all this nasty stuff down here. This, these weather events that are destructive and, and, and deadly 
because of the corruption. God didn't make the earth that way. He didn't make the earth to spin tornadoes out and, and wipe out half of cities and kill people or wildfires. He didn't make the earth that way. That's why, because he made the earth, period, Jesus had control over those problems while he was here. Because when he went through and that storm kicked up, which was by design of the enemy, I think, personally, it doesn't say that in the Word of God, but by design that storm was kicked up and tried to kill Jesus while him and his boys were crossing the ocean there. That's why he was able to stand up and say, peace be still. And it, because he still has the control. He still has the power over the creation. It's just been corrupted by the enemy and by sin over, the, over time. But he's warning us. Perilous times will come. And his emphasis here is on men. But perilous times are going to come because disastrous things are going to increase. Bad things happening are going to increase. And what we need to understand as believers is sometimes we have to go through hardship. That there's no avoiding hardship. We want to. Every time we believe it's God, don't let me go through this. Well, sometimes I'm, I hate to be the bearer of bad news if you didn't know this already. Sometimes you're just going to have to put it to the floorboards and go right through it. But the promise of God says you'll go through it and come out the other side. Not everybody has that promise. Believers do. God told us, I'm with you. I'm closer, I'm closer than the closest thing. I'm right there. And I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to forsake you. I'm going to be with you the whole time. And he tells us that you have control over certain things, that you can exercise authority to protect your belongings, to protect different things, your, your body. You have the ability to do those things. And as believers, we get bent out of shape because things like this happen and we go, well, the first thing, well, we're going to get into this a little bit later. The first thing people start asking is why? Well, don't worry about the why. Don't worry about that right now. You can, you can, you can think on that later. Right now is the, the get through it part. Don't worry about the why right now. The get through it part is what's important. Because a lot of people, they get, they get wrapped up with the why part and that destroys their ability to, to get through it. Because they get swallowed by despair and, and torment in their mind, in their soul. Because they get, they get buried under this thing. Oh, why, the the, the age-old question that's not, that has an answer, but most people pretend that it doesn't, of why bad things happen to good people. That's, that's not, I mean, that's an answerable question. Because bad things happen to everybody. It doesn't matter if you're a good person or not. <laughs> they happen to everybody. Why? Because we're on this earth. And we're here. And in some instances, you can get, if you're, if you're a believer and listening and following the will of God and, and exercising some control as far as listening to the Holy Spirit, you can avoid those things. Jesus talks about that when people come to him with that very question of, what, what about the Tower of Siloam that fell on those people? Because they were saying the same thing. Jesus, why does this stuff happen? Why do bad things happen to good people? And what they were saying is, Clearly, because the tower fell on them, they must, have been, they must have been horrible people because they're making that connection. That's why, because they really weren't good people. That's why that bad thing happened to them. Well, no. I mean, I, I don't consider myself a saint or anything as far as, you know, like Paul or whatever, but I'm a good, I'm a good person, and I got hit by a hurricane just like everybody else in this area did, and I'd like to think that it's not my fault that the hurricane came here. Well, it's not anybody's fault that the hurricane came here. But people get wrapped up into that instead of the believe God to get through this and come out the other side. 
preferably not smelling like smoke, like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I'd rather go through it and not smell like smoke coming out the other side. <laughs> and Paul, Paul tells us in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3, he tells Timothy that, uh, that we are to suffer hardship, endure hardship as a good soldier. Well, what do soldiers do? They soldier. You suffer hardship in the middle of a mission, you don't get to sit down and, and have a good cry. You, you don't have that luxury. You have a mission to do. You have a job to complete. And they train you that it doesn't matter what happens out there in the field, you finish the mission. Finish the mission. You don't stop and, oh, well, we got to, no, no, focus. You have a goal. The goal didn't disappear just because something bad happened or something unexpected happened in the middle of it. You've got something to do. And we are to press on towards that thing. That's, this is where people fall off. Is they've been directed by God to do something, and something unexpected comes along. That thing is by design of the enemy to knock people off course. That's what it's there for. Steal, kill, destroy. And it, that's what he sent it to do. And if we let it knock us off our course that God's put us on, the devil has succeeded. Because he's stealed, killed, and destroyed our, our progress with God. Our plan that God has for us, our walk with God has been destroyed. If, if we let it, he doesn't have the power to do that unless we give it that power. Because you can be, I mean, you could have come out this storm absolutely destitute. Every single piece of anything you had could have been destroyed. Your mission from God, your, the will God has for you remains exactly the same as it always has been. It hasn't changed. Nothing changed. The only thing that changed is your temporary situation. And this is not a permanent thing. And this is where the perception comes in. Because I, I totally get it. We spend our time, we spend our energy, we spend our resources to amass things to us. To get a house, to get a car, to get these things. And when something comes along and damages them, it's not like, Yay, we're not happy about that. And nor should you be. There'd be something wrong with you if, if you were happy about that kind of thing. But at the same point in time, that doesn't completely, it shouldn't move us off of what God has told us to do. Because this physical thing has been damaged or lost. I mean, and I don't want to sound cold or indifferent, but what does that matter? In the scope of things, what does that matter? And that's the perception shift that we need to make as believers is if, if you losing a physical thing, and folks, I'm here to tell you, and this is a whole separate message, even if it's a person, if you lose someone, that does not give you a right to put God's plan on hold. I mean, if you're a believer, you've got to soldier on and understand that hopefully that person was saved, that you lost, you're going to see him again. That's not the end, because we're far, the, the root problem here is people are too focused on this spot right here, instead of looking way out there for what's coming. Because this, this spot we're in right now is, and we're done. We're done. I mean, I, I, just, I, just, I just turned around, and my son is nine years old. I feel like he, I just, he, just then he was a baby. And now he's nine. That's, that's bonkers to me, just bonkers. 
which means my life, it truly is like that. Because if Jesus doesn't come back, I'm going to die. This isn't rocket science. This isn't a revelation here. We're, none of us are making that out of this alive. And the quicker we realize that the more emphasis we put on all of this stuff right here, right now, the physical, the, the great disservice we are doing to both ourselves and to God. Because what he's asking us to do is take our eyes off all of that stuff and put it where it belongs, on the eternal, on the non-temporal things, where we're going to be forever, past this very temporary point in time. Which, if we look at things like that, it helps us not ignore, because it's, I mean, a loss is a loss and you've got to deal with it, but it helps us put into perspective loss. Because if you lose something, at the end of the day, does it really matter all that much when you look at the fact that in a few minutes I'm going to be out of here? And, and, I, and I don't want to put it lightly because in the, in the job that I work, I hear all the stories. I mean all the stories about how much people are suffering and how much they've lost. Just because that's the, that's the industry I work in. I hear it all. And I totally, I understand where people are coming from. And I understand it's not an easy thing. But as believers, we've got to train ourselves to be able to endure hardship. We've got to be able to endure it. It can't, it can't, we can't go to the mat every time something tough comes up. We've got to be able to go through it. Glory to God if, he, if God says, hey, this time you get to go around it. Praise you, Jesus. Thank you, God. We get to go around this one. But we got to be prepared every time. I'm ready to go through this. I'm ready. Let's do it. Why? Because you're, you have been given a promise of protection. God will preserve you. If you are being obedient, following the will of God, and listening to his direction, you are going to make it through this thing alive. Period. It's the end of the discussion. And I don't care what the thing is, whether it's a storm, whether it's a sickness, whether it's a, some kind of circumstance with a person, it doesn't matter. You're going to make it through this alive. You've been given that promise. Now, when you walk out the other side alive, it really doesn't matter what of your physical stuff made it out with you. Would it be good if you had some? Sure, absolutely. Because that's less you have to recover and move forward. But... It doesn't matter if you lose everything. And I know that's hard for people, especially faith people. Oh, well, no, Pastor Tim, that's not believing. That's not faith. No, it's, it's being real. And understand that your faith is for you to recover if you lose. God is a restorer. Which means if you lose something, and let's be honest, a lot of times we lose stuff because of our own dang fault. We didn't follow directions good enough. We missed something. We did made a wrong step, wrong choice, wrong decision, whatever, and we ended up losing stuff. Well, that's not God's fault. You understand. But sometimes when you go through stuff, stuff's going to get lost. But we need to move on and understand that that thing will come back to us if we need it. And this is not some mystical, oh, it all happens for a reason. No, I'm not, let's not, I hate that garbage. Don't bring me, don't, don't feed me that stuff. What I'm saying is, is if you lose something, 
and it's required for your mission, for what you've been given for God to do, it will come back to you because it is something you need for you to perform what God has laid for you to do. And here's a hint. If you lost it and it don't come back, hmm, hmm. Because a lot of things we hold on to real tight, we don't actually need. And even sometimes, and again, this is a whole other message, they're actually a weight on us that really does need to be lost to begin with. And I am by no means saying that a hurricane is a way for you to clean house (laughs) or was sent for you to clean house. That's all garbage. There's none of that, oh, it came for a reason. Yeah, the reason was this earth is corrupted. And lots of other reasons we won't get into right now that are not part of this mission. So we don't enjoy, we're not to enjoy suffering hardship, to enduring the hardship. That's not what we're called to do. We are called to simply endure it and go through it. In Luke twenty-two forty-four, we see a picture of Jesus doing that very thing. This is him in the Garden of Gethsemane, and it says, In being in agony, and some translations say, In being in torment or agony unto death, he prayed more earnestly, then his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. Well, what was this? This was Jesus coming up to the point of full realization of, This is it. It's about to happen. He knew. He knew what he was called to do. He came to God and said, God, please, if there is any other way for this to happen, please let this cup pass. Well, what is that? That's him saying, I don't want to endure this hardship. Like we all say, I do not want to do this. That's that's a sane thing to say. There's nothing wrong with saying that. Jesus said it. But, When the answer comes back of, this is it, this is it, it, we're going, then we don't get to go uh, and sit down and have a good cry for three days. No, soldier on, endure, move on. I mean, you have promise of protection, of preservation, you have all of those things, so let's go. And again, I'm not belittling, lo- I, don't, I don't want it to sound like I don't understand and empathize with loss. It's not fun. It never is. It's not a good time. Whether it's physical or you lose someone, none of that. It, it's, it's horrible. But at the same point in time, if we are going to be a believer, if we are going to be a follower of Christ, we have to soldier on. He has given us something to do, and that something to do cannot be put on hold while we deal with stuff. It can't. You, you, I mean, take a day. Take two days. But don't let it completely take you out. You know people and I know people where something has taken them out. Where, and it, oftentimes it's losing a person. That it just, they're done. They're done. If they were a believer before, they're not now. essentially you know they're not following after god they're not following after the will of god they're just buried in sorrow and torment well that's not the way we're supposed to live and that's not really living if you want to define it that is the devil's goal that's what he wants that's why he wants us that's why he tries so hard to get us attached to physical things 
Because then when he's able to take that thing out, then it, it hurts us all the more. That's why he encourages people to place other men and women on pedestals. Well, this person's the greatest thing since sliced bread. And then when the devil, is, the devil is able to take them out at the knees, then all these other people fall flat. Because they attach themselves to that. And they can't endure that hardship. Because that's a hardship. When a leader is taken out, that's hardship. Because you respected that, probably, hopefully, respected that person. Honored them, esteemed them, and then to have them taken out for whatever reason is not, it's not a joyous day. Because I'm, I'm trying to get across to us, because while we just went through this physical storm, the hardships don't stop. There is a reason why the cliche is when it rains, it pours. Because stuff don't just stop because you're having a bad day. Because something, oh, well, we just had a hurricane. Things are going to let up for a while. No, no. The stuff continues. Which means we need to correct our perception to deal with this what, for what it is. It's an impediment to me continuing with the will of God. That's all it is. That's all it is. Doesn't matter what I lost. Doesn't matter the damage I suffered. None of that matters. What this was was an attempted impediment. To, it's a blockade to the will of God in my life. And I have a choice. I can sit down and wait for it to be cleared. Or I can go right through it and destroy it myself. That's our decision. That's a decision in every hardship that we have. Either I can sit down right here and try to cope with this thing and do all the things that the world tries to tell me to do to wait this thing out and see if it corrects itself, which is never going to happen, or I can endure this hardship and go through it. That, those are our choices. So what are we going to do? You know, in the, the enemy, all in every, in every hardship, the enemy brings the lies of, in this one, it's, when we hear it all the time, it was, you know, it was the mysterious will of God. Um, God, God made this happen. It was, it was for good reason that this came. Good things will come of this. And all the rest of the stuff that people say about things like this. We've heard it all before. And it's all a bunch of bunk. It's garbage. It's, 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 there's no truth to it at all. God's hand was nowhere near this thing. He didn't create it. He didn't bring it. He didn't direct it. He didn't do anything having to do with that storm was not of him at all. And the quicker we understand that and just put all of that to the side, the quicker we can move on. Because that's the devil's number one game. That's game, that's game numero uno, is try to get people to believe this thing. And it doesn't matter if it's a storm or anything else, get them to believe that this thing, this hardship, is God's, God did this. Because if he can get you to believe that, as a follower of Christ, you're already out of the race. You're, whether you realize it or not, you are sitting on the sideline if those thoughts enter your mind. Not, not enter your mind, but if you believe those thoughts, then you're out of the game. You already are. You, had, you, you, don't even, you may think you're in the race, but you're just jogging in place on the sideline. You're not, you're not even in contention. Because people don't even realize that you cannot have faith in the God that you believe can destroy you. You cannot, you cannot do it. 
You may have lied to yourself to think, oh, well, I love God. I, I, I have faith in God. If you believe that God sends things to destroy you, and I don't care what it is, then you do not have faith in God. You do not love God. You do not hold fast to God. None of those things are true. You just don't because it's not possible for you to do that. You want to know how I know that? Because it's not possible for you to do that in the physical. So it's not possible for you to do that spiritually. Riddle me this. You know a person. You have known them for years. Let's just say you've known them for years. And you think, man, this, I've, of what I know of this person, they're super nice and the nicest person I've ever met. You know, they could do no wrong, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. One day, you are out at the grocery store, and you see this person just tear someone apart verbally, limb from limb, up, down, side to side. They just berate them from top to bottom. Not accidental, just, just lays into them. You can no longer, no matter how much you try, believe that that person is nice any longer. Never, never again, not ever again will you ever have full faith in that person that they are nice. You ne it never will happen because you've seen proof to the contrary. And if you believe that God brings garbage, destruction, hurt to you, you cannot believe that he is a good God. You cannot hold those two thoughts together because they are contrary to each other. Good people don't do bad things, period. This is, and I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not going too fast for anybody, right? But people, they do this all the time. Well, God's a good God, but he did break my leg to teach me something. Well, then he's not a good God. It's not hard, right? And we, and we all, we chuckle about it and we shake our heads in here, but the devil plays this game every single time something happens out there. And people buy it. They buy it. And I know, I know plenty of Christians, people who profess to be followers of Christ that fall for this stuff every single time. I had somebody come up to me. Well, I know, I, I, I know, and she, she said it just like this. I know, and she paused. I know that God didn't have anything to do with this. And did you know what was coming? But, well, don't, just discussion over. But what? But what? And she went on to say about all these good things that came out of it. Well, what is that? That's in the back of your mind. Well, maybe, maybe it was. Maybe God did bring this absolute catastrophe to help me with my character. No. What is wrong with you? That'd be like, you know, kids, today we're going to learn mathematics. I'm going to break your fingers to teach you counting. Will it work? Absolutely it's going to work. They'll never forget that math lesson for the rest of their life. That's not the best way to teach math. But people fall for this every time. And it doesn't have to be stuff like this either. It's, you know, your refrigerator breaks. Oh, well, God, God saw this coming and brought me that money so that it, this, this could... No, you just got stole from and you think God, you essentially attributed this to God. 
for all, for all intents and purposes. Well, God saw this coming and he brought me money. No, you just got robbed. Bald face. And you're just letting it go because God provided for you. No, no, <laughs> no. But this is what the, the game the enemy plays. Because that money was for something. And now it's gone. But people don't, they don't get that. They don't see that. Well, a broken refrigerator, how is that hardship? It's hardship. It's something you've got to endure. Try, try dealing with your food, your food problems at home without a refrigerator. It ain't easy. It's not fun. A lot of times we don't realize the stuff that we need till it's gone. What's that, what's that song? Yink, yink. I don't forget how that song goes. But it's something along those lines. You don't know, you don't know how good you got it till it's gone. We learn all that stuff when, when bad things happen. We go, oh man, I will never take showers for granted again. You know, I will, I will never take running water for granted again. I will never, you know, and we make this list. I will never take any of these things for granted again until the next time when we've taken it for granted and then we lose it again. But the, the point of the matter is, is we've got to endure these things to move on with what God wants us to do. Go to, mm, go to Romans 8, 31. And what we have to, in order to endure hardship, the foundation that we need to do that is the understanding of these verses that we're going to read right here. We're going to go 31 to 39. I'm going to read it all and then we'll, we'll, we'll circle back and, and go through it. It says, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God, God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of Christ, which is in Jesus our Lord. So this is, this is the basis for being able to endure hardship is understanding, number one, that God loves us. That's, that's what kind of what we've been talking about up until now, that God didn't do this. God didn't bring this hardship to us, that this thing we're having to endure right now is sourced from some other point, and God is here to help us get through this, help us go through the hardship, go around whatever, where, wherever we're going when it re relates to the thing, this hardship, God is with us. He loves us, and he's never going to forsake us, in that he has made us more than conquerors. That's what we have to understand. 
Because he says, what shall, who or what shall separate us from the love of Christ? And he makes a, a big list of things. None of these things. None of these things can separate us from the love of Christ. What is that? It doesn't matter the hardship that you're going through. You are not separated from God. Which is the one, and I'm, I would never do the disservice to Jesus' sacrifice to compare any of the hardships that we go through to that hardship. Because that is the hardship that what Jesus went through. You can say that his scourging was tough, and absolutely. But there are other people that have gone through scourges similar to him, physically. They suffered the, the scourging of the Romans. There were people that did that, and things throughout history that were just as bad physically as what Jesus went through. But what he went through that is different than what anybody else that has ever lived went through is he was completely cut off from God. Like, there was no tether there. It was completely severed. No human from and or since before him can claim that. No one has ever been completely severed from God. Because we've always had a line. We've always had a line to God. Through repentance, we've always had a line. I don't care if you lived in Adam's days, all the way up until now, there was always a line that you could come to God, repent, and there would be some kind of grace there that he would give. Whether it was complete restoration or not, there was always something there. Because in the Old Testament, repentance only got you so far because there, there was no sacrifice yet. There was no Jesus yet. So they could only, repentance in that could only get you so far, but it was something. But there was, if God hadn't gone into to Hades to pull Jesus out after his done, that, that would have been it. There would have been, why did it, that's why it says, uh, D, uh, David said through the Psalms, you will not abandon him to Hades. Why? There was no, there was no tether there anymore. Jesus, Jesus was completely relying on God to come and get him because there was nothing he could do. So his hardship was absolute. There's nothing like that hardship. We will never experience anything like that. And that's why this is so important to understand, that we will never be separated from God, ever. No matter what, I mean, this could be the worst of the worst of the worst possible thing you could ever imagine, you still have God. And that, cha that changes the entire dynamic. That changes everything. Because you, you, when you look at someone who is unsaved and they are destitute, they lose everything. Everything is destroyed. It's, it's, a pitiful, it's a pitiful situation because they have no, there's nothing. They don't have anything. They could find Jesus in that place. And oftentimes loss of that magnitude causes people to find Jesus. Hope, wish it wasn't, wasn't that way, but it's the way it goes sometimes because people are stubborn and hard-headed and, and the rest. But in those places, people often find Jesus because they have nothing else. They have no reliance left. They have nothing else to lean on. They have nothing else to go to. So they reach out to God. Hey, that's, the, that's what the tether is there for. Jesus saved me. And boom, life changes. Life changes. Did it change physically? No, absolutely not. They're still destitute. They've got nothing. They don't have two pennies to rub together. But their life has changed. Why? Because now they have a channel by which to gain restoration that they didn't have before. 
And as believers, when we are going through hardship, we need to maintain that perspective in the back of our mind. That as I go through this, I have the channel, I have the connection, I have the love of Christ to get through this and recover on the other side. There's nothing I can face that will remove me from the love of God. Nothing. And when I have the love of God, people don't like to think like this, but when I have the love of God, that's all that I need. That's all that I need. I don't need anything else. People are like, oh, but I kind of need my house. No, you don't. And, and again, I'm not, not fostering any kind of, uh, you know, don't go out and sell everything and, you know, live a life of poverty. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying is in order to fulfill what God has called you to do, you don't need a house. I mean, not right this second. If you lose it, it's not the end of the world is what I'm trying to get across. This hardship that we go through when we lose things, it's not. I mean, we can recover that. We still have the love of Christ. We are still connected to him. That has not changed. Don't let the devil lie to you and tell you that you are irreparably harmed by some physical thing. You are still connected to God. You still have the love of Christ. There is nothing, nothing can separate you from that which should give us the strength we need to push through any hardship. Because it doesn't matter. Frankly, it doesn't matter the condition I make it through on the other side. I'd like to be as good as I possibly can be, but when I make it through the other side, I've still got God. And He can restore everything to me. Everything. He can. So when we're in the middle of it and we see stuff start falling off and and getting destroyed and we're losing this and losing that, We cannot get distraught because the devil is trying to shake us and move us off of, because the love of God is not moving away from us, but we sure as can move away from the love of God. And that's often what many believers do. They suffer these losses, they endure this hardship, and they go, well, God, I shouldn't have had to go through that. Says who? But what are they doing? They're moving, they're distancing themselves from God. Because they don't understand. They've been lied to and they bought the lie. So as we move with God down this path that he's directed us to, we must understand that hardship is part of this path. It's not going to stop. Life does not become a garden when we, when we get to know God. It doesn't. It just empowers us to, like a linebacker, add extra pads and drop the shoulder and go right through it. And then we just stand up on the other side, roll your shoulders, and keep right on moving. Why? Because we have learned. We have learned that with God, that's all that matters. I've still got God. And we have to understand, if you read through this, this, this group of scriptures here in Romans that we read through, the idea, number one, when he talks about the, the, the perils, you know, the nakedness, the sword, the famine, and all that thing, those things are all things that come on you, okay? You don't, you've never gone looking for famine, have you? No. You've never gone looking for pestilence or anything? No, you don't go looking for that stuff. It comes looking for you. 
So these things are things that attack you, that come on you. This is a conflict. The idea of conquering when it says we are more than conquerors. Well, what is a conqueror? Somebody who conquers. You can't conquer without conflict. That Those two words don't go together. There's a different word for it when you defeat something without conflict. It's not conquer. <laughs> and when something comes upon you, which is what all of those things were, you didn't go looking. It's not like you went looking for a fight and you whooped up on the boy before they even knew what was happening and you came out winning. No, that's not what happens. These things come upon you and you've got to get up and conquer that thing. Which means you've got to endure it. Whatever that calls for. Hmm. We, we must rise and overcome and conquer these things. Go to Philippians 4. We're going to read Philippians 4, 10 through 13. And then we're going to, we're going to end over here. It says, But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now, at last, your care for me has flourished again, though you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased, and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I have learned, both to be full and to be hungry, to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, if you read that disconnected from anybody's past knowledge or, or knowledge of the Word of God, people would say that those are not faith statements. I know how to be abound, I know how to be, to be abased, I know how to be in abundance and how to suffer need. They'd be like, oh, those, that's not faith. That's Paul. Uh, well, who else? I mean, Paul's, I'd say Paul had a pretty good handle on faith. I'd like to think so. But the point that he's making is in this life, you're going to go through that stuff. That's part of life, is abounding and being abased, is having plenty and suffering need. Those are part of life. Why? Because perilous times are coming and are here and always have been and are not going to stop. But what does is, what is that last verse say? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Why can I do all things? Because Christ strengthens me. But because why? Because he loves me. Because he's always with me. Because he's not going anywhere. And no matter whether I'm abound or whether I'm abased or whether I have plenty or whether I'm suffering need, God's still there. He's still there. And at the ultimate, and I, and I know people hate when I say this, but at the end, the very end of it, it doesn't matter if this thing happens to take me out because I still win. I still win. Because if you take me out, I get to go through Jesus. Threaten me. Threaten me with going to see Jesus. Threaten me with it. Go ahead. See if it makes... But the point is, there's a reason why the Bible says that the, the fear of death is the one that all others... That it's the master fear, essentially. That people who fear death are all their lives subject to that fear. Why? Because they do everything under that covering of that fear. Well, I don't want to do this because then this could happen and I could lose this and then I might die. 
people live their lives like that, whether they realize it or not. They don't take chances. Why? Because if they take this chance and fail, then this, 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 and this, and this, and then I'm going to die. Well, we've already said it once, but I hate to tell you, you are going to die. (laughs) Tim, this is church, Sunday morning church. Why are you talking like that? Because we got to have the proper perspective. If you think for some reason that is the root cause of many of the ills in the church and in society writ large is we have this idea that we're immortal, that we're never going to die. I'm sorry, you are absolutely going to die. Unless unless you hear the trump and you go up to meet Jesus, you're going to meet him a different way. And it involves you dying. But the point, the, fa- the reason why we need to look at that, stare that down and deal with it is so that we can put our life in perspective. Because if I'm going to die, then that doesn't matter and that doesn't matter and this doesn't matter and that loss doesn't matter and that loss doesn't matter because eventually I'm going to die anyway. So why do I need to weep and mourn over this thing when it doesn't matter? It doesn't matter. It's tough. It's tough for people to get through that mindset. But that's those are the kind of people that God needs because those people are what? Fearless. They are fearless. Why? Because what can you threaten? Somebody who's not afraid to die, what are you going to threaten them with? There is nothing that they are afraid of. If you look at somebody and say, but you might die, and they go, so? What else do you have to threaten them with? Well, 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 I'm going to take some money from you. Ooh. I mean, but that's the kind of mindset God is trying to develop in believers and has been ever since the beginning. None of this piddlywink stuff matters at all. What matters is push forward, endure through it, and do what God wants you to do. Whatever that is, push forward. Amen. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you that you help us understand these things. Holy Spirit, help us change our perception on these things to understand what is actually important in our lives so that we can gain the momentum we need, that we can gain the endurance that we need through these hardships, that we can go through them, Father, that we can gain the understanding that you are with us and you will never, ever forsake us, Father God. And with you, we have everything that we need. You are all that we need, Father. We know we sing it, but we want to actually believe it, understand it, and live by it, Father God, that you are all that we need. And we thank you so much for it, Father God, and thank you for your hand on us through these situations that we are going through, that you give us wisdom to operate and to do what we need to do. And Father, in that vein, we bring our offerings before you this morning because we know that the channel that you've opened to us is our seed by which it will grow and provide for us both to be a blessing to others and to provide for ourselves, Father. So we open ourselves to you this morning. Direct us to give as you desire, and we will have a cheerful heart to do so. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 If you want to.